A battle with a UFO on the surface of the moon. Not one spip, but two spips? It's Battle in Outer Space. Spips. I, I don't know what why is, they're called spips. Alex. Why are they called spips? I don't know. That's just what it is on on the side of of the rocket. You know, they're spips. <laughs> super science, super power. I thought. I don't know. I thought it was just you know uh, someone was trying to do ship one and ship two, but oh, they got maybe. lost in translation, hey, so they became hey, spips. Do you know what? Do you know what spips is backwards? Spips. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second. Now the, re- the the real question, Alex. The real question is: Are you Spip One or Spip Two of this podcast, Alex? I'd probably be the Spip One because Spip Two is the one that blows up, right? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah. Anyways, welcome back. This is the Monsters vs. Men podcast. We are the Bargain Basement. Uh, podcast of the kaiju broadcasting airwaves today we're trying our best to stay alive as we talk about battle in outer space alex i can't remember i'm having a hard time remembering which spit blew up uh it you're the one that blew up (laughs) okay i'll take it you know what i'll take it with this film i'll take it (laughs) yeah it just means you went out with a blaze of glory me i got i went to my old age i got decommissioned and i'm just sitting in a scrapyard somewhere Right. <laughs> you know, honestly, I was, um, these ships, they, they look a little dated and you're like, these don't look realistic, but I was actually looking at an old photo the other day, like interesting photos in history. You know, I was looking for a photo for one of my classes and, you know, the first rocket from Cape Canaveral actually looked a whole lot like one of the spips. So I was surprised. Hmm. Yeah. And Wait, normally you think of like the. You, <laughs> spip one, I think. <laughs> uh, they look the same. But, um, you know, I was surprised because normally when I think about, uh, you know, rockets, I, I'm thinking NASA and even more recently, I think, yeah. um, you know, Tesla, not Tesla, um, SpaceX. SpaceX. But these actually, I mean, for what, 1959, uh, these look pretty realistic actually so i was was kind of impressed with that i like that after all the space movies and stuff we've seen these are the ones that you question the realism on no i they're not i've questioned the realism before but like i've it's never been a big deal um Mm, mm. uh, here i was just surprised because they were more realistic than i'd ever you know imagined so but let's let's jump into it. I'll do the film introduction, and we can get started with Battle in Outer Space. Okay. When thinking about Ashiro Honda, most viewers probably don't think first about his sci-fi epics. But given the budget of Battle in Outer Space, maybe it's time to rethink the director. Now, Alex, did you enjoy Battle in Outer Space, or did it lack the pace to keep you nice-faced? Oh, and another question. Is this a monster movie? Uh, we need to make it one. So, so what's the monster in this movie? Uh, I guess the monster has to be the Natarals, uh, you know, or maybe the unknown or, you know, they, 
these weird mole men that are mm-hmm. the Nataros that can die from the smallest thing, which kind of makes sense if they're used to low gravity, I guess. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. Like, it's kind of weird because when they came out, I was like, are these the Nataros or are these just like aliens that live on the moon? Like, mm. <laughs> because yeah. it just, it felt, they didn't feel as menacing as they did from like their spaceship. So, I actually, I, I, I legitimately didn't know. I was like, I mean, these have to be, I feel like, but they might just be like random moon monsters too. <laughs> <laughs> it's never addressed explicitly. It really no, isn't. It, it's not. It's not. Um, I, I actually think that this one though is a, is like a, a pretty fun sci-fi movie overall, but yeah, I think it's got its problems with a like a lot of these movies of this era of maybe possibly being too long. But I wonder what you thought of like the alien appearance of these things because I actually liked them, even though they're really odd and like <laughs> not really believable in well, a way. That scene where they first make their appearance is one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, um, because that's actually an, another one of that's um, honestly like the the best part of the score is during that scene as well. There's those little like shrieks that almost sound like a monkey in the background. Mm -hmm. And and it made me think that these things were like moon monkeys. Right. Ah. (laughs) Um, I I really, I liked it uh, quite a bit. That was one of the standout scenes, but to be honest with you, Alex, I I just don't know if I'm a big fan of sci-fi. And that's probably not exactly true, honestly, but here's what I mean. And and I know I'm going to sound pretentious in, in saying this, Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of sci-fi that doesn't really have a point of examination, right? Where it's not examining what it means to be human in any sort of way. I, you know, I think about Star Trek and I think about Star Wars, even Doctor Who. All of these seem to use sci-fi in a way that gets me thinking or feeling. And I just don't get that with this film. It'd be one thing if Battle in Outer Space embraced camp. But I don't think it does. I actually think it takes itself a little too self-seriously. And as a result, I became quite bored. Um, Maybe it might be because I'm, uh, you know, a modern day viewer and the action just can't quite match today's standard. Hmm. It may be a problem with me. But (laughs) are you with me, Any, on this one? Were you find yourself bored at all? I'm not. I'm not. I don't think I'm as down as you sound on this one. Uh, I, I would argue and I think you would probably agree with me that most of these movies uh, from this era, especially early Showa era, uh, they don't match today's standards by any means. Uh, they're pretty long, drawn-out laser battles. This one was a long, drawn-out shooting in one spot until you make a hole in it battle. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Not nearly as bad as and lengthy as the Mysterians one, but it, it's still did get a little boring. Um, but I did enjoy it overall. I, I think I, I think it actually had plenty of camp, uh, in hmm. some ways. I, I think the mind control was like really goofy, uh, because it, you know, there's this over, over topness to it that gives it just that, that show era feel for me. Um, and even the disintegration that happens in this, it, I, I kind of, I was like a little, I kind of laughed at it. <laughs> I just like, I like that they did that. It's not something we've really seen as uh, disintegrations. Uh, and yeah, poor Dr. Ahmed. 
Yeah, poor Ahmed. First one to be disintegrated. <laughs> yeah, first person to get disintegrated. But I liked his whole thing because it, it the, the mind control gave us this aspect of the unknown. Now, I wish it was more prevalent than it was, like that anybody could be mind controlled. But I, I do think that, you know, you're saying you don't really care for sci-fi as maybe, I guess you might put it as like a, a window dressing, maybe, I guess is a way to phrase it. I think, I don't know if distilling something down to its genre like that uh, is a is a service to it. You know, I think it's no different than maybe like a period piece that I'm sure that you're so fond of. Um, what I'm really getting at is that, you know, if it's not any good, it's not going to be any good. And that that's all it is for me. Because um, I think if this was a sci-fi movie that you liked and was like, maybe even better made or even more epic, even without uh, better messages about humanity, I think you would probably like it more and you would probably cut it some slack for not having that humanity that you're talking about. Mm. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I'm kind of putting words in your mouth. I kind of want to know what you think. And also, you know, all these films we've watched so far are technically under the sci-fi umbrella. And, you know, Eric, you did say the same thing about monster movies before we started. And now look at you. Right, right, right. And yeah, I agree with you to an extent. Like, I think, see, I just think I can, a film with with strong fantasy elements can actually carry the film for me. What I'm saying about the sci-fi elements is a film with just sci-fi elements can't quite carry the film for me uh, at this point. A film with um, like giant monster elements (laughs) could potentially carry a film for me beyond some of the other aspects that I would typically look for in film because I've become a fan of that at this point. Interesting. Right? I, I'm, I'm uh, in a similar space with fantasy. Like you said, I, I don't really like fantasy. Like it kind of yeah. bores me because I feel like a lot of it's derivative, but you probably feel the same way with sci-fi, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that is interesting. But look, I actually do have some points of praise for this film. There's a lot to praise actually. There's a scene towards the beginning of the film uh, between Major Ichiro Katsumiya and Itsuko. Um, and it's that moon scene when they're looking up at the moon and kind of the, it's the music and the score is great there by Ifakube, another great moment uh, from the score. Um, and it's genuinely a tender and contemplative scene between the two of them. I just wish we could have carried that on throughout the rest of the film. Um, and I mentioned the score twice now. But I've also got to, sh- to shout out, and someone can tell me what the actual name of this theme is, but it's the Humans Fight Back theme, the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, and, and, you know, it comes up time and time again in Godzilla films. And, you know, I may be wrong again about this. It wouldn't be the first or the last time. But if I had to guess, I would say that this is where that score made its debut, similar to um, the famous score from Varan that makes its its debut there and then is carried uh, into Godzilla films. I, um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb because people are going to correct us either way. I think mm-hmm. that theme shows its head in the original Gojira. Mm. I it, think it, it does. Might, you, it, might, it might, Alex, you're right. Um yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, and I already mentioned, you mentioned it, but but the scene towards the end with the uh, space alien monkeys, as I like to call them, <laughs> uh, the score is haunting there, you know? Uh, and so every point of the score I thought worked really, really well. That was one of the highlights of the film for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. The score is a highlight. 
I, I really did enjoy how that accentuated all of these moments. And honestly, I, I, I just enjoyed the movie. I thought it was fun. I like the journey to the moon. Like it, it feels epic when they're on their way there with the two rockets. I was just waiting for one of the teams to get completely obliterated on the way. Cause that feels like something that happens in every movie. You get two teams mm-hmm. and you got to wipe out one of them. Uh, and I even liked, you know, them when they get to the moon and driving around. And I like the paranoia about how much damage Iromura is going to do before anyone realizes what he's doing. And, you know, he even ends up killing some of his crewmates when he blows up that first rock, the first uh, spips. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I really like that. And it even leads to this real moment of redemption for him where he stays to fight the the ships and he get, ends up getting killed by him or disintegrated by him. Yeah. Now, one of the best moments. It is, sure. it, it is definitely one of the best moments. Um, now, where the film actually has problems, though, for me, is that aside from the boring shooting at the ship, which I feel like is just par for the course for these movies at this point for us right now, is that the film should have ended at the moon. It should not have even gotten to Earth because everything that happens at Earth is just unnecessary. It's superfluous. It doesn't do much with our characters. It, it's just like a wasted 12 minutes, I feel like. And I really think that they should have cut that down. But that's something that really seems to be a hallmark of some of these movies of this era is like we're losing our way at the end. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know what um, what the issue is there, uh, wh- whether it's a, a part of the script or it's just the pacing for us as a modern audience. I, I what I think about is I just think about the lack of of a real threat that I feel. Hmm. Um, I, I don't feel that threat uh, here, and, and maybe you know in the Mysterians I felt a bit more. We we had those aliens were more personified and had more of a voice. I, I do like the mind control element in this film, but it's it's just not super prevalent. But I did want to praise another aspect of this movie, and that um, is the sets. Like the sets are fantastic. Uh, the miniatures are awesome, but the larger sets are also amazing. Yeah, There's yeah. that room uh, with the red and yellow valves that Iwamura goes to shut down the ray. That room just looks like a real room. And it looks super cool. And you mentioned, you know, when they get to the moon, those vehicles that they ride around in, those vehicles are awesome. Even if it does look like an Oscar <laughs> Mayer Wiener vehicle, right? <laughs> they are awesome. <laughs> They're really cool, though. They really are. Uh, but hey, Alex, we'll get into our next segment here in just a second. But we want to remind everybody about MVM Plus and our Bargain Basement Club. You can join the Bargain Basement Club and get a MVM Plus mini-sode each week where we kind of talk about whatever's on our mind. Uh, and that's over at patreon.com slash mvmpod. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about our birthdays because we just had birthdays, Alex. Ooh. And I want to hear all about yours. Oh, yeah. um, we're going to talk about Cobra Kai. I, I just watched this series, and I want to tell you a little bit about it if you haven't seen it before. Mm. Uh, and I've been watching Return of Ultraman. Yeah, you came back. You I returned to Return of Ultraman. I have returned to Return of Ultraman, <laughs> and I am making progress, and I've got a couple of updates oh. to share. Uh, so that's over at patreon.com uh, slash Pod. And last week, I, I even posted a uh, – or a couple weeks ago, I even posted a bonus theometer uh, that that was quite funny about <laughs> Super Smash characters. I thought it was funny, <laughs> at least. Um, but hey, we're not doing a theometer today. This week, 
we're actually doing a <gasps> Monsterpiece Monster Theater. Theater. Uh, and I just want uh, to apologize to anybody real quick. <laughs> it is raining so hard here. Uh, so I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna try to fix it in editing, but it is so loud. <laughs> I thought I heard a drip, drip, dripping. Okay, yes. So if you can hear that, then this is going to be a nightmare to edit. Oh, God. That's, uh, I can't do anything about it. So <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. But hey, if you are new to, to Monsterpiece Theater, you're new to the podcast, it's pretty simple. We take a film that we have uh, covered in the past. It could be any film that we've covered in the past. And we pretty much butcher it. Sometimes we mm-hmm. uh, bring in a guest to help us butcher it. This time we have three roles, Alex. Right? Three roles. Right. Um, and I want you to be... Uh, person B and then person C and it switches okay. after B and C. Okay. So you have two roles and I put that responsibility on you and I think you can handle it. Do you think you can? Yeah, I'm B and C. Okay. I got you. Yep. <laughs> I am the B and C. I am the B All right. And C. All right. Here we go. Which is even uh, more so confusing start- because on our notes, we you have it listed in alphabetical order right beside the A and B's. So it's like... It's confusing. I, I get it. I know. I know. Especially for a simple-minded well, man like me. Okay, let's let's go. <laughs> this is this is why it's Monsterpiece Theater, Alex. And action. Has he been caught yet? Don't jump to conclusions. But they work together, right? Right. But tell others not to spread the rumors. Alex. Did my brother really? <laughs> it can't be. But everyone's saying. You must have faith in him. He has a short temper. But he never do anything that cruel, right? In any case, you should stay home until this gets cleared up. Hmm. End scene. scene. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't know if you even switched the roles. Like, it, 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 you started it, off country and you got a little bit more country yes. than what it seemed yeah. like. Well, it, it, if anyone's listening, it, it, I know you want to rewind and listen to this again. But my, my C oh, character man. started out as my B character. But by the end of my first line, did my brother really? I had transitioned it to an even more country pumpkin. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, jeez. Oh. Well, anyway, if you know the answer to this Monsterpiece Theater, you know which uh, film we Monsterpiece, you can send us an email at mvmpod at gmail.com. Or usually we get messages on Twitter from listeners about the correct answer. And if you don't know it but just want to guess and want to talk, you can send us a message on Twitter Instagram or email. Mm-hmm. But now, Alex, let's jump into our awards. Ooh. First up, as always, coolest character award. Who you got? It's got to be Iwamura. Uh, mm. It's mostly because of the big sacrifice at the end. Uh, but yeah. it, his character will, his character is likable beforehand. He's kind of goofy, mm-hmm. but to see that turn for like this goofy character to like feeling the need to sacrifice himself for something that he didn't really do. Like he was controlled and made to do something, but this was his redemption. I really like that aspect of his character. So anyone who goes out in a blaze of glory, or I guess disintegrated deserves to be a coolest character. Yeah, no, I I like that choice, Alex. And I consider that choice. I'm going to go with Ryo Akibi as major Ichiro Katsumiya. Mm. He to me is by far kind of the epitome of cool, especially in the opening third of the movie. Honestly, he could be the coolest character based off his hair alone. It, it looks good, doesn't it? 
it, it looks really good. I'm like, oh my gosh, man, how'd you get that hair? Because I, I need some of if, that. If you uh, if you look like that next time I see you. <laughs> <laughs> but then he just had that calm demeanor. And, you know, he, he was really quick thinking when Dr. Ahmed uh, held uh, the, the mm-hmm. woman hostage, you know, really quick thinking. He is such a cool character. I, I'm wondering why he didn't get more roles in some of the later Honda films, because honestly, he had a lot of charisma, I thought, in yeah. this movie. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. What about your most memorable line award? Um, so mine comes from uh, Tazawa. And it's at that um, it's at that uh, scene that I've mentioned before, and it's when when he says, "I wonder if mankind will someday lose such feelings of beauty." Um, hmm. I wish the film would have leaned into that. I, I like to choose these these lines, Alex, mm. that get me thinking on like an existential level. Yes. You know? Oh, I've noticed. <laughs> I think everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this line does that to me. And I, and I think this could have been an interesting point of of that sci-fi element where it, it speaks to our humanity, yeah. where you know we've we've gone so far that we lose the beauty in the world around us. It's just something I've been thinking about a lot recently about how our our society is so based on utilitarianism, where we think about the usefulness of certain decisions, uh, even more so than, than beauty and, and art in, in some cases. That's how education works in my field. It's all about, you know, utilitarianism. It is. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've lost the need for wonder and arts um, and character development. In a sense. Mm, yeah. Uh, so it was, it was an interesting line, and I think that could have been something interesting to contrast humanity with this alien threat that is more robot than human, that has lost the sense of beauty because they've taken utilitarianism to an extreme. But we didn't get that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we just got a spaceship and some alien monkeys. Mm, yeah. Well, you know, mine mine has uh, some similar existential uh, ponderings in it, and it's. Uh, that moment where Ahmed, he's been fighting Ichiro Katsumiya uh-huh. for the gun. And Ahmed gets it back, but everybody runs in the room. And they're looking at him. He's got the gun in his hand. And someone says, I think he's going to steal the gun. And it's like. Uh, I remember that. What? I actually remember that. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. That was good. And it's actually followed by my that can't believe that acting award, which is Ahmed's performance, which it just but just a stroke of genius. This performance, <laughs> it it's one of those that you see people will remember for the rest of their lives once they've seen it. And there's this particular moment where it, this is after they've realized that he was trying to steal a gun, and he hands it over to him. Turns out he's got another gun on him. And he's got, he's, uh, he's kidnapping, uh, what's her name? Um, he, he's kidnapping one of the women and he says, he says, get back. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Get back. No, I thought about, I thought about, uh, Dr. Ahmed, um, uh, yeah. the poor Iranian in this whole thing that gets mind controlled. His, his acting was quite fantastic. Memorable performance. Mm-hmm. Hey, I did want to say my most memorable line award. Uh, I mistakenly said this was Tazawa, and that's because I was getting—I uh, had both of my show notes pulled up 
for oh. Gorath, which is next. <laughs> and it's the same actor, Ryo oh. Akebi, who plays Katsumiya. He was the one who said that. Line. Okay. So I apologize for any listeners who are paying attention, which is probably like three of you. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, my can't believe the acting award. You mentioned this character already, and I just want to emphasize it. And it's Yoshia uh, Suchia as Iromura. That guy is an underappreciated legend with Toho. (laughs) Uh, And I think he gives his most dynamic performance as, you know, a bad guy slash good guy who's really in pain throughout and he's really conflicted. And that send off scene that we've talked about is absolutely fantastic. This guy has been in so many movies that we've watched and I don't think we've mentioned him. So I really want to give him some praise and some credit here because I think this is his best role. Yeah. Yeah. He did. He did a really great job. What about your, uh, standout effect? <laughs> My standout effect is that body that floats through space yes. with the space station debris. Yes. That was actually, <laughs> I always remember you. <laughs> I always remember you body floating through space. <laughs> I, I was actually going to pick that one too, but since you took it, Mine was going to be a moment right after that is it's the space dodge where they have fired like the, the space rocket, I think is what they call it at them. And they do that little dodge maneuver around it. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, Eric, but it's just like, it's just so fluid looking. <laughs> and I was just like, that's pretty <laughs> epic. Like, I, I really like that for some reason. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So I was really into that. What about your, uh, what, what about your, oh, that's a good shot of one. Uh, mine is the zoom out from Earth as they're, as they're leaving the atmosphere. And it also really opened my eyes to something I hadn't really thought about before. And it's that all American movies uh, do something that probably all uh, Japanese movies do. And when you zoom out, you show America. And you show, mm-hmm. you know, you slowly show the rest of the world. You know, this one, it zoomed out from Japan, which was really weird because, you know, Japan's in the middle of the ocean. So it's just like a little bit of land and then all water. And it's just like, I was like, oh, I never really thought about like, (laughs) that's how we always show leaving the earth. And today, Alex learned about nationalism. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. No, that's a good point. Yeah, that that is interesting uh, how it's a different perspective because we're getting it from a different country for sure. Um, Mine is a random shot. Uh, and it's a shot of the moon cave. And as I said, that, that, that moon, the moon cave scenes are actually some of the best in this film because they have some feeling attached. Mm. There's this slow zoom in to the mouth of the cave and it starts to feel ominous. The camera helps build the tone here. And that's maybe another thing that as I was watching this movie, the camera just felt so static. It really felt static throughout. Mm. Um, and, and that was another reason that I was kind of bored. I was like, the camera is not doing anything interesting here to really yeah. set the tone and sell me on this feeling, except and maybe that's why that one shot stood out to me is because you could actually see the camera doing something to help build the tone. Uh, and so I really appreciate it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you make a good point. And it's something that I did kind of notice as well was it, that camera, they're not really, he's, they're not playing with it like they do oftentimes in this they do in other films yeah they they do they do in other films um but here it's very very static um Hmm. almost as procedural as as the film itself oh i don't know if that's (laughs) i don't know if that's a good thing 
Whatever, Eric. All right. Well, maybe that brings us, Alex. Maybe that brings us to our rating and ranking. Um, and I'll start first since I'm already on a roll here. <laughs> Uh, as I already said, you know, without trying to sound as pretentious as possible, I don't know if I'm just the biggest sci-fi fan uh, when it comes to sci-fi movies without much to say. And I just don't think that this film, Battle in Outer Space, has much to say. We have plenty to look at, which I appreciate. But if we're going for spectacle, spectacle alone, we're probably going to go elsewhere. And, and, and I know, I might be being harsh. This is 1959, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I get it. But... As I said, there are some positives here, too. If Ikube's score is great, and I think it's a landmark, really, um, there's some great acting moments, including the underappreciated Toho Jim uh, and, and Subaraya staple as well, uh, Suchia. The sets, I said, they're both the miniatures and the life-size um, sets are unbelievable. Ultimately, though, I just wish this film had leaned into that line that I mentioned. You know, I wonder if mankind will someday lose such feelings of beauty. We just never get that personification of the alien, of the other. There's no alien motivation. Um, We have no real fear of the alien. Where are the personal stakes involved in this film? Where are the personal stakes? We don't get much of the personal stakes outside of that one intimate scene at the beginning. So I ranked this film pretty low. I gave it a 2.5 out of 5, uh, and I rank it just above Varan. Ooh. Okay. <clears> hmm. <throat> what about you, man? Yeah, I I think I'm a little higher on this one than you are. Uh, I was rarely bored by it. Really, the, the boredom really set in towards the end of the film. Maybe a little bit towards the end of the moon, uh, the moon escape. But I think it's a relatively fun movie. It, it does some aspects a bit by the numbers, like you said. But I think a lot of it is just like, I think a lot of my issues with it is just that by now, all this is just kind of overdone. But by then, it wasn't. But we've seen something similar a lot, you know, in 2020. But I do think it has some really fun elements. I'm all on board for this ride of the film until we get back from Earth. And that's where it kind of completely loses me. Uh, it's complete, It becomes completely pointless in the final... The final 12 minutes are completely pointless. And I can think of like numerous ways off the top of my head to resolve these this issue with the film. And mm. that's not to say that the movie is like pointless by the end of it. I, I am enjoying it, but no, that's the, I think that is what you're saying. But yeah. I, I like, <laughs> I like the feeling of when like, you know, the, the flight to the moon is just, it feels appropriately, appropriately like epic in a way, but mm. it does meander a bit. It does feel by the numbers. I, I don't know if it's fair to judge it by what it is compared to now, but I think for me, it's going to be a three out of five. Because I enjoyed it, I, but the characters aren't too memorable. Iwamura is really a standout for me, and then the hair guy, uh, as we'll call him. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> and, you know, I do wish we maybe we got a little more play from the uh, Nartals. Or, uh, yeah. Because they were, they were so interesting, and I just wish we had gotten to spend more time with them because they did not seem like the ominous race that we saw the rest of the time. Right, right. No, I, I They're agree. the Toho Ewoks. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Next week, we have got Gorath. And did you prepare your rhyme, or do I need to go first? Um, I can do it. All right. Go for it. <laughs> oh, oh, me? Okay. Um. So next week, we got Gorath. Will we face its wrath, or will we love it to death? Seth? <laughs> <laughs> no uh, i think we probably have a listener out there named seth so. <laughs> oh hey seth well that was the shout out to you hey, seth. now just so y'all know i'm doing a uh, a rhyme for all of our listeners going forward uh dedicated to each yeah, one okay. of you yeah um no but for real uh next week is gore wrath will we have to face its wrath or will we enjoy it boy is it good oh my gosh dude <laughs> <laughs> all right i've got this i've got this so I, I've been thinking about these films and, and I'm wanting something different from Gorath. So I said, uh, does Gorath find a way to be original or are we left with something more typical? Hmm. Pretty basic, but that's my question for next week. Will Gorath, get, Gorath give us something original or something more typical? We Ooh, shall see. Oh, I know. So does Gorath make okay. us... You, you, now you're trying... <laughs> Does Gorath make us face its wrath, or does it say, does it fly by and make us go bye bye? (laughs) I thought you would say, does Gorath fill you with wrath, or does it make you want to take a bath? No, (laughs) no, no. All I know is that I'm bad at math. Bye bye. Rhymes do not go into math. Alex. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod on letterbox for Alex Cornette and Eric Neely. Email us mvmpod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. As we said before, you can join the bargain basement club on Patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus off the cuff episodes. And if you don't feel like uh, contributing or aren't able to at this time, leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews really encourage us and help others find our podcast. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basir and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener. Eric, listener. wait, I got it. Until I got it. Week. I got it. Will we feel the wrath of Gorath or will it pass like gas? <laughs> Try <laughs> to stay. stay. <laughs> You spent my entire outro thinking of that. (laughs) (laughs) I had to redeem myself. That was awful.